Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're in Joshua chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading verses 10 through 15, starting in verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, Rise up! Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They have even taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up, consecrate the people tomorrow, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus the Lord God of Israel has said, There are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. In the morning you shall come near by your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families, and the family which the Lord shall take uh, shall come near by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And it shall be that the one who is taken and the things under the ban uh, shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. We've been looking at the sin of Achan, and last time we saw the consequences, primarily that the people of Israel were not successful in taking the city of Ai, the next city on their hit list. Joshua then falls before the ark of the Lord and prays to God, uh, wondering why they had been brought over the Jordan only to fail, asking why the Lord uh, did not give them success, essentially, saying that the Canaanites would hear of it and that the Lord's name would be slandered. Uh, Lord, what will you do for your great name? Remember, Joshua doesn't know uh, at this point that there is sin in the midst of the camp. He thinks this is just a failing on the part of the Lord. Now, the Lord's going to respond in verses 10 through 15 and tell Joshua exactly what's going on. So in verse 10, he says to Joshua, Rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. So he makes evident to Joshua that the failure of the people of Israel is not of any fault of God's. The fault is on the part of the people. And he makes it crystal clear. Israel has sinned and transgressed the covenant. The covenant, again, is that Israel is to obey the law of the Lord and his commands, and part of that has to do with the consecration of these cities as they're devoted for destruction. The city of Jericho was to be obliterated, completely destroyed. 
only some of the very precious stones and valuables, the gold and silver, was to be collected and taken into the treasury of the Lord. Uh, Achan sins against the Lord in taking some of those items that are devoted to destruction, and his sin implicates the entire community. So it is a transgression of God's covenant. The people collectively have broken the covenant. And now we see him, uh, the Lord say in verse 11, they have even taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. So he's being very specific here about what Achan has done, and we'll find out more of the specifics later in the chapter. Verse 12, Therefore the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. Now this is very interesting here. What had been characteristic of the people of Canaan, that they were under the Lord's judgment, they were under his curse, and all of the things in the city of, of Jericho were devoted to destruction. Now the Lord says Israel, because of its sin, is now uh, under this curse that was formerly placed on the people of Canaan. And the curse uh, is delineated further in the rest of verse 12 and following in verse uh, 13 and so on. He says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. So the promise that he had made to Joshua way back in chapter 1, some of the earliest things that we talked about in this series, was that God would be with Joshua. His presence would go with him, that, uh, that he would not leave him or forsake him. And now that promise has hit a wall, not because of any fault on God's part, but the people of Israel have been unfaithful to God's word. We saw way back in chapter 1 how the Lord made some unconditional promises to Joshua, I will be with you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. I mean, there's there's really no uh, condition that's placed on those. However, we also saw that God said to Joshua, you need to be faithful to obey my law and walk in its statutes and meditate on it day and night. So there is uh, something of a conditional aspect at work here. Again, this is the relationship between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. From God's perspective, he knows what's going to take place. He knows that he's going to bring the people of Israel into the land and give them full possession. But he also knows about the hiccups that will occur along the way. So he can say unconditionally and with full force, I will be with you. I will bring you into the land. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. But from the human side of things, there is a conditional element. If the people of Israel disobey the law of the Lord, they have broken the covenant and the Lord will not continue to bless them and support them in the conquest while that covenant relationship is broken. 
This gives us something of an idea of God's relationship with humanity in general. Back in the Garden of Eden, uh, the Lord gave the commands to Adam and Eve, you can eat from any of the fruit of any of the trees, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Adam and Eve transgressed the commandment. They broke the law of God. And because of that, sin entered into the world. All of us are subsequently sinners because of this representative act of Adam on behalf of humanity. And we all come under the, the curse, the judgment of God, as a result of that. And so we need a reconciliation with God, a way for us to be reconciled to him so that we can have a right relationship once again. That's what Israel was in need of now after the sin of Achan. The relationship between God and Israel, the covenant had been broken and they needed a way to be reconciled and God was going to graciously provide that way starting in verse 13 and following. He says to Joshua, have the people consecrate themselves for, uh, and he gives the reason here, there are things under the ban in your midst. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. And so he says to them, tomorrow, this is what we're going to do. All of the people of Israel are going to come out and line up and the Lord would select by Lot, this was probably through means of the high priest and the Urim and the Thummim, which were a way for the people of Israel to discern the will of the Lord using these objects uh, that the high priest carried with him. Uh, it may have been something like casting a die. We're not exactly sure, uh, but a way for them to uh, figure out who was at fault. They would uh, cast lots. Uh, for each of the tribes, and the tribe that would select it would come forward, and then they would cast lots for the families, these larger groups within each within the tribe that was taken, and then uh, out of the family they would select households within that family, and out of the household they would select the individual, and it would. Uh, come to pass, the Lord says in verse 15, the one who's taken, who has taken the things under the ban shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he's committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. So it's bigger than just this one individual stealing some stuff and thinking he could get away with it. It's a transgression of the covenant of the Lord. Now I want to read a few verses uh, following, starting in verse 16. So Joshua arose early in the morning and brought Israel nearby tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Now put yourself in the shoes of Achan as I read this, and think about, at first you're thinking, I took this stuff, I buried it, nobody's ever going to know. But now everybody in Israel is on the lineup, God's lineup. And he is selecting the culprit. And first of all, the family of Judah is taken. And maybe Achan's thinking, oh, it's just coincidence. I'm still going to get away with it. Verse 17, and he brought the family of Judah near. 
and he took the family of the Zarahites, and uh, he brought uh, uh, the family of the Zarahites near man by man, and Zabdi was taken. So it gets narrower and narrower. Now if you're Achan, you're probably starting to think, uh-oh, it's getting closer and closer to me. And then in verse 18, and he brought his household near man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah, was taken. So finally, it narrows down until it pinpoints on this one individual. Perhaps the high priest points at Achan personally, and that's when he knows the, the, the gig is up. I'm found out. So verse 19 Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Joshua says, Everybody knows it's you. The Lord has picked you out. Don't say that you're not the one who's it. Now you need to confess and tell us exactly what you did. And so Achan uh, goes on in verse 21, 20 and 21, and says this. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver, where was the silver supposed to go? Into the treasury of the Lord. And a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, again, the gold was to go into the treasury of the Lord. Then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they're concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. Now, I think Achan is confessing because he got caught here, not because he's sorry for what he did, but he was. Uh, uh, caught in the act, red-handed, so to speak, not necessarily convicted of his sin. You know, this chapter gives us an important principle that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. We might think that we can hide things in our lives from other people, maybe even the people that we love, but there is one person that we can never hide everything from or anything from, and that is the Lord God. He sees everything, even when we think no one else is watching. Achan thought he got away scot-free, but he was dead wrong, and we'll see this more next time. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.